welcome to the Podcock Podcast. We're back. Uh, Bobby Russell is on the program. What's up, dude? I'm uh, not much. Just sitting here. Um, R.I.P. to my fans in Toronto for the Maple Leafs. An- another year, no cup. Oh, hate to see it. Three, one, lead. I mean, I mean, we're going to talk NHL, so we could we could start here. I think that might be in recent years. That's that's their third worst loss. Like, I feel like what they were up three zero last year against the Canadians, mm-hmm. and then you would probably have to tell me what year it was, but weren't they up two goals with a minute or two minutes left against your bees one year in a game seven? Yeah, and... 20, 2013, They were up four to one to start the third period. Yeah, and it was four to two with two and like two minutes and forty seconds to go. And then they they eventually give up an equalizer, then a a walkout or an OT winner, I yeah. believe, right? Oh, it, man, sparked the Bruins, <laughs> sparked the Bruins to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, uh, I mean, I, we were gonna do a little kind of recap, so I guess you without uh, perfect segue there. So yeah, in the East, um, the uh, the defending Cup champs. Win and seven. We just mentioned that, so no need to overkill that. I'll throw it to you, um, maybe to get a little revenge for those Maple Leafs fans. If there's any out there listening, your bees go down in seven to the Hurricanes. Weird series. Like, mm. I mean, it goes seven. None of the games were that close. Home ice was the ruler. Is that pretty much all? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, like you said, like no. no the series never started because the home team never lost. So yeah, technically it's still going on. Um, but you know, when we did the podcast, like I think it was during game two or game three, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I thought the Canes were going to win in five or six. I, I, the Bruins put up a valiant effort. I mean, they played without multiple guys and big spots, McAvoy, Lindholm, Bergeron was hurt. Uh, Matt Grizzlick had a separated shoulder. He tried to play through and couldn't, um, I, I just think the difference ultimately ended up being being the home ice. Um, I don't think the Canes were a better team than the Bruins. They just they played better at home than the Bruins played at home. So sucks. Uh, enters the offseason with a ton of unknowns for the Bruins. Um, and then obviously, you know, three out of the four Eastern Conference teams are below West Virginia. Uh, so it, it's going to be be a crazy it's a crazy power shift in the nhl right now with it moving away from the north to the south yeah yeah we'll we'll get to those conference semifinals obviously in a sec um i guess we'll move on rangers over the penguins seven game series again a weird series pittsburgh was up 3-1 i think i got them in uh, the toronto series mixed up there a little bit but pittsburgh had a 3-1 lead and uh the rangers won the last three to close out the series um I don't know. Crosby being out game six hurts and they had like a third team goalie. So, mm-hmm. uh, but just again, another weird series. But I, I think to me watching that series play out, both teams got some weird bounces. Um, that's playoff hockey, but um, I don't know. The range, the Rangers just seemed like they had more, more depth and more jump than Pittsburgh, weirdly. I don't know if you saw it that way or what was your takeaway from that series. Yeah, I, I think the Penguins, they had the experience. You know, the Rangers are a yep. young team. 
and I, I think just the youth and the, the the legs underneath the Rangers kind of propelled them to the win in the series. Um, led by Chris Kreider, had an incredible opening round there. Um, it, it was a great game seven too. I think. Yeah, it was going into overtime there. Um, you know, I I kind of have a soft spot for Pittsburgh. You know, being being a Steelers fan and you know just how like the the sports in that city all have the same color and everything. Um, I, I don't mind Pittsburgh as much as other people do. Um, it kind of sucks to see them lose, but at least the Rangers keep my one half of my Stanley Cup final alive. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, like Sid, he's kind of just like a cool superstar in a way. Like, I mean, he's never had really too many contra or any controversies I could think of. Just kind of a like, well, cat. Um, yeah. Final one, uh, Florida. Um, or the yeah, the Florida Panthers take out the Capitals in six. Um, maybe we're we're seeing and I know he's played well since he's got down there. Uh, got moved over there, I think, last year before the season started. But this Carter Verhage, I mean, this guy for the Panthers is like I knew Barkoff was kind of like their their main guy, but this Verhage is uh, tearing it up. And um, I didn't realize the Capitals, the East must have been loaded. The Capitals had over 100 points as a team uh, in in the standings this year as an eight seed. So no surprise at going six. They're a tough veteran team. They got a cup not too long ago. So good series, entertaining. But Florida, they they're I don't know if it's going to continue. But um, man, they're they're resilient. You know the cardiac cats is what, kind of what they've been dubbed all year. Um, seems like a two goal lead and hell even a three goal or a two goal deficit or a three goal deficit doesn't really matter to this team. Your thoughts on um, the Panthers and Cap series? Yeah, the Panthers really surprised me. You know, I I thought they would have gotten into the playoffs and faltered. You know, um, President's Cup, uh, mm-hmm. just be just being the Florida hockey team. Um, I so I, I was surprised. I thought the Caps had them. Um, Caps had the lead in Game Six and gave it up a couple times. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't we don't get to see Ovi chase the goal record anymore this year. He'll be back next year, uh, but. I, I'm excited for the Battle of Florida coming up here with us too, and um, I, I think that one's going to come down to goalie play in the next series, and we'll, we'll hit on that here when we go to that one. All right, get done with the West first round. The Abs swept the Predators. I mean, um, really, Game Four, Game Three for a little bit. Game Four is kind of close in Nashville, but um, I, I pumped Nathan McKinnon's tires all year uh, for the last three years. Uh, I love watching him, and I think McCarr. Just kind of, uh, and McKinnon's still filthy and, and fast and powerful and just a, a stud athlete. But this Kale McCarr, um, he had a hell of a series, and and the Abs look, uh, they look like a wagon. Absolutely, they look like the Abs in the '90s. There, um, I, I don't think there's anybody stopping them. Uh, I think they get, uh, who do they get in the next round? The Blues. Blues. Yeah, so that, that'll be a good defensive series. I think mm-hmm. be low scoring. I like the unders a lot in that series there. Um, but the abs, just, they steamrolled the Predators, and they never stood a chance. Yeah, speaking of those Blues, they won in six over the Wild. Um, again, that was kind of a series where, to me, um, the more up and down and, and open ice, free-flowing kind of game uh, were the two Minnesota wins. Uh, and the Blues finally went back to Bennington, and um, he, he closed it down and, and played well in the net, and, and they move on. But St. Louis – I'm kind of drinking the, the Kool-Aid a little bit from a few years ago. 
big physical team. You just mentioned um, the defense, maybe foreshadowing a little bit with that series against the Avs. But um, do you have any close um, or watchful eye on this on that series, or uh, any takeaways from that one? Yeah, I, I I picked the Wild to go to the final too, and you know I I just think the Wild they had a great year, they have a great young roster, they just didn't have any playoff experience, no one to really kind of step up and lead the room, and I think that was the difference. You know, the Blues they won the Cup in nineteen, they've brought in guys like Tori Crew who's been to two Cup finals, so that that experience kind of propelled them to this, and you know not knowing to get in over their heads and know when to make the right play. Um, and like you said it right there, when we preview the Avs Blues, it's going to be a defensive fest. Yeah, by the way, that, that um, Kirill Kaprizov, the, the winger from the Wild, he, uh, one of those young guys you mentioned, that dude put on a show in that series. Um, he was pretty much unstoppable um, when when they were playing well, the Wild. So they, got, they do. They got a pretty good future ahead of them. Um, we had five series in the first round game seven, the final two series out West, uh, the Oilers take down the Kings in seven. Um, just kind of felt bad for Jonathan quick, especially in that game. Say that game seven, like it was uh, kind of an ambush and for him to only allow two past him, uh, in Edmonton's barn, I guess you give your, your cap off to him, but, uh, Oilers with their top end town, they move on. Yeah. Great series. Uh, the, the, the skill level of the Oilers made the difference here. Um, like I said, Jonathan Quick, uh, great U.S. goalie, probably the end of the road for him. Same with Dustin Brown, the captain out there. So it'll be a new regime coming in for the Kings. You know, they hit the reset button a few years ago, and they weren't supposed to make the playoffs this year, um, and they did. So it, it'll be it'll be good for them, and I think that'll be springboard for them for next year. But the Oilers get it done. Um, you know, they have some hope for Canada finally. Yeah, Evander Kane, getting him, uh, he, he really played well in that series, too. Um, dry side with maybe an ankle uh, or lower body injury, as the hockey folks say. Um, that could be something to monitor. Um, definitely, I feel like him and, and Kane, to compliment McDavid, makes him a, um, a legit cup to contender. But if he's out, I don't know. Finally, um, honestly, the, the most fun I had watching – the first round was uh, the Flame Stars. A lot of those games kind of resembled uh, some 90s hockey, you know, some puck possession, some defense, clogging up the neutral zone on both ends. Um, again, another stud goalie performance out of uh, the Stars, Jake Ottinger. He uh, just, I mean, he faced so many shots in that game seven. Uh, but the Flames, they got a, a, a they're deep. Uh, I think you and I really like them both uh, heading into the playoffs and they move on. Yeah. Surprised this one actually went seven. The stars played out their ass in this series for I what did. they have. Um, and you said Ottinger, he's a great goalie. Uh, Boston university guy played with, you know, the Charlie McAvoy's and the Matt Grizzlicks. So he, he knows how to play. He's got the skill to be there. Um, and it, it's setting up um, one of the best battles for Alberta here. Uh, even though nobody will be awake to watch it. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the shitty part about it. I was like, man, that's exciting. A battle for Alberta. Alberta, like you said, and uh, yeah, like we live on the East Coast and we have jobs and have to wake up. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch that the next morning or day on YouTube, I guess, <laughs> highlight-wise. All right, so we'll move on. Um, just kind of 
have a little redo of our semifinal predi- or predictions here in the semifinal round. I have uh, the prices here from the gambling market. These are Bavada lines for the series. Uh, Wes will start abs and uh, blues. Um, Colorado heavy favorite minus 395 blues on the other and catching plus 300 for the series. Um, I'll throw it to you, man. I mean, where are we at with the, the series in your head? I, I think it's been, the, the rest is going to benefit the abs here. Uh, you know, getting the 4 sweep. Everybody, every team has injuries. They're not reporting them, but every team does. You see yeah. it at the end of every year. So it's, it's good for them. Um, and like we said earlier, both of us said the, the defense is going to define this. I like the under in most games here. Uh, you know, a couple of 3 1, you know, 2 1 games here. Um, you may, may even get some shutouts with the goalies that are in this series. Um, but I, I think Colorado's defensive core makes the difference in this and the speed on their front lines. Um, I think they get the job done. I, I, I like I like Colorado in six. I'm with you. And in exactly six games, I think St. Louis will be able to muck it up and use their, their burliness and their physicality. And, and Bennington might be able to steal you a game and keep you in a game here or there. But, I mean, I just – I love the talent – uh, the, the abs have hopefully Darcy Kemper's back. I think he will be. He took a, a stick, got caught, uh, went up in his mask, um, in, in the first round. So hopefully he's back in net. But, um, that's that's a really fun series. That reminds me of the 90s. Uh, as a Red Wings fan, it seemed like you always had to go through the Blues early in the playoffs, and then the abs were waiting on the other side of the bracket. So a little nostalgia with those two kind of going at each other. You there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay, yeah. my bad. I could edit that out, or uh, or we just keep it. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, the other semifinal in the West, we got the battle for Alberta. Alberta, I can't, I keep saying Alberta like a weirdo. Anyway, the Calgary Flames, uh, they're the favorite, minus 195. Edmonton's plus 165. Flames have home ice uh, in that series, so Vegas pretty close um series odds here i i think it goes seven i i it's to me it's kind of a coin flip a rivalry i think both teams will have their moments but i took the oilers to to win um come out of the west i guess i'll stay with that but i after watching the first round the flames they're just deeper they got a better goaltender in my opinion too with markstrom over smith but uh i'll stay with the oilers in seven uh, what, where are you at with this one? Yeah, I think this will be the complete opposite series of what we'll see in Colorado, St. Louis. I, I feel like this is going to be a high scoring series. Yeah. Um, the over, I think the over is a possibility in every single game in this one. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a knockout series. These two teams hate each other. Um, you know, they've had good fights this year in games, and it's, it, I think that's going to carry over. Um, I, I like you said it with the depth and everything and the goalies. I, I, I like the flames to, to come through in this one in seven. Um, I, I think I'm not sure if they have home ice or not. Um, I think they do. Yeah. So I think they were the two in the West this year. Yeah. So the Saturday will be rocking up there. Um, if our listeners have never looked at the Calgary flames arena, search that up saddle dome. It's the best looking, you know, arena in the NHL NBA. Uh, so it'll be rocking up there, and you know, I, I, I could see Johnny Hockey having, you know, five plus goals in this series. Just he's on another level right now. He's electric, man. And like, I mean, if you're not familiar with like Canada, as we're kind of 
you know, I'm not saying you and I, but the listening audience out there, this is, this would be like, I don't know. This is like West Virginia and Ohio um, battling out like Southeastern Ohio and West Virginia. Like both these cities are kind of like, you know, Western, like cowboy hillbillies, uh, rowdy. So it'll be fun from like a fan's point of view too. So um, just a little sidebar there. All right, we move to the east. Uh, top seed, the Panthers going up against the Lightning. Another um, close proximity rivalry battle. This, I guess we can call this the battle for Florida or the feud for Florida, the fight for Florida. But uh, Panthers, Lightning, um, Tampa catching plus 135 for the series. Uh, the Panthers, a slim minus 160 favorite for the series. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Panthers. I think it goes seven. I, I just like that they had the home ice, but I hate it. I hate it. I feel like an idiot for picking against this Lightning team. They're like the Undertaker um, until they are dead, um, that we should quit doubting them. But uh, how say you? Yeah, uh, this series this could be a great series. Um, I think this could be the turning of the tides okay. in the NHL. Um, you know, Florida's the up-and-coming young team. They're they're flashy. They they beat the Capitals, a traditional powerhouse. Um, the Lightning had a tough series for the first time in a long time. Went seven, dealing with a few injuries themselves, and they're kind of like we said last podcast. They've played a lot of hockey games the last two three years. You know, two Cup finals. There, that's a lot of wear and tear on the bodies. So. If, if, if I had to picture this, it's, it's the gif of Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair where he's saying, I'm sorry, and then it kicks him. <laughs> so I, I'm going to roll with you with this one. I, I like the Panthers. I like the Panthers in five. I, I think oh. they get this one done. I think they're, they're on a roll. Um, I think uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, I think he finally has, has a breakthrough here and you know really gets on that run that can propel him to uh, Vezina, to, um, to the MVP of the, the finals, too, if they make it there. Two two points to come to shit on my point and your point. Um, weirdly, Braden Point would be the first one. His, I, I don't know, he's kind of got a, an injury, and I feel like he kind of, he's not their best player for the Lightning, but I feel like he's kind of like their difference maker. Um, so if he's limited in this series, um, well, I guess that, that would be good for me and you, uh, our prediction in this series. And then... If Bravosky, like you said, if Sergey plays up to the the level he's capable of, then sure. But like, like eighty eight and the other net Vasilevsky for for the Lightning, he's fucking tough, man. And I think maybe they have a little advantage uh, more consistently in, in goal for the Lightning. So that kind of scares me too. But um, I I think it's going to be a hell of a series. Um, and they they matched up in the first round last year, I believe, and. It got chippy. Um, there's some bad blood, obviously. So uh, that's that's always good. And both these teams are, are legit, really good. So I'm excited. Completely agree with you with that. The Vasilevsky stat. Um, yeah, they have to get him, you know, on some, some backhand passes there because if you get him into the one side of the net and you can fire it across quickly for a one-timer, that's how you beat him. If, if you're just shooting at him straight up from, from the point – if you're shooting at him in the slot, you're, you're not going to get by him. So you got to get him, you know, going each way. Yeah. Final series uh, in the East, we got the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina minus 200 favorites to win the series. New York, uh, the Rangers, the Blue Shirts on the other side, plus 170. 
How say you? I'll let you have this one first. Yeah. Um, it's Carolina's they're hard to beat at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, we I just saw it this last round, so frustrating to watch. Um, they're, they're a completely different team on the road, though. So you can get them frustrated, they'll take a lot of penalties home and away. Um, and the Rangers have a good power play, uh, and I, I think they got some momentum beating Pittsburgh coming through here. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go with the Rangers just because I, I picked the Rangers. Um, you did on, on our podcast preview. I think they keep it rolling here. I think this one goes seven, and I think Rangers win that game seven in Carolina in in the NC State Wolfpack Arena. Yeah, downtown Raleigh. Listen, I, I also have Rangers in seven, and to me, I just think that Shesterkin could, could steal a road game here, mm-hmm. maybe even two if, if necessary. But you're right, um, Carolina, they, they look great at home. Plus, also in that series – I feel like the first five games, Carolina got the opening goal, no matter what building they're in against your bees yep. and playing from ahead. Um, I don't know. I just feel like you get that first goal kind of alleviates some pressure and stuff like that. Um, so maybe New York and a few of these games, uh, they could draw first blood and, and get um, Carolina. Plus, like I said, I think um, the, the Rangers, I don't know if they're deeper. Uh, I think it's it's pretty evenly matched with the skaters, but like, I think they got a goaltending advantage. No offense to uh, Carolina's netminer Ratanen or however you say it, but I, I think Shostak in the year he's had. Um, I, I think the the Rangers have a a, a better netminder for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Let's move on to the National Basketball Association Conference Finals are among us. Um. We're going to do something a little different here. Um, it's not like a tremendous groundbreaking idea. I want to throw it back and forth. I could start. You could start. But out of the four potential NBA Finals matchups, not really a draft, but kind of a power rankings of what you want to see, not what would be best for um, NBA ratings or the television ratings or, or yada, yada, yada. But out of the four potential NBA Finals matchups, um, let's let's throw – our, our top four, our, our power rating list of it. So if you want to go first, you need some time to think, think on it, but uh, the ball, the ball's in your court. What do you want? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first one I want to, if, if I'm picking my, uh, what I want to see the most, I want to see yeah. Celtics, Celtics Mavs, um, you know, Celtics fan. I, I think we have a great shot. Um, best shot in years um, since the Mickey Mouse bubble tournament. Um <laughs> And then I, I, I would rather see the Mavs just because, one, the Warriors have been there so many years in the mid, mid-teens. Um, and the Mavs, they've, they've got, you know, one of the top five players in the NBA, and Luka Doncic. they got a good supporting cast. Spencer Dinwiddie had a hell of a game seven um, against the Phoenix Suns. Um, so, and I feel like that would give the Celtics the best shot to win a championship there is against the Mavs versus against the Warriors. So Celtics-Mavs, that's what I'm hoping for. All right. Well, I have Celtics um, Warriors as my top choice. Um, I just feel like, and and no offense to Celtics, Mavs, and and the Heat and their potential matchups, I just feel like even in the Celtics rosters turned over a little bit in this time. But I feel like we haven't seen it obviously in the finals. But I just remember a lot of like Celtics going up against the the Splash Brothers, the Big Three. Um, hell, even when KD was there, I just remember 
couple times a year, obviously, they're playing each other in the regular season, and it just felt like the Celtics always played uh, the Warriors tough. And I, I think they match up um, very well with the Warriors. It's not the Warriors of old, but I think that would be a, a hell of a series. So that would be my number one. Um, you can go with your number two. Yeah, number two, uh, same with your number one, Celtics Warriors. Okay. Uh, obviously, I, I, I assumed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point point A, Celtics in the finals, no matter what. Um, but you said it right there. Um, you know, when Durant was a free agent uh, a few years back, uh, he came to Boston for a visit, um, and they laid out the plan of how they actually beat them with Brad Stevens' defense, and it's carried over with Ime Udoka. They 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 have the Warriors number at least once a year. Um, if they're a healthy team, uh, they, they, they know how to beat them. So that would be a hell of an entertaining series. That would make a lot of money on the overs with the amount of three-pointers each team shoot. Celtics shot like 54 three-pointers in the game seven against the Bucks and made like 22 of them. In- incredible shooting stats. Um, so if that would be the place to make your money on the overs in every game. No doubt. Um, so my number two is your number one. Celtics Mavs, um, I, I you mentioned it be a hell of a series, um, and I, I and it, it could only be one maybe, but I don't I just have memories uh, of recent years where like I feel like Lucas hit like two or three game winners against the Celtics, in 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 those matchups. So it's kind of like, well, if he's hitting game winners, those are closely hotly contested games. So that give me that too. Um, so that would, that would be my number two. Um, who's your, who's your three here? Uh, my number three would be heat Mavs. Um, that's mine part three. Yep. Um, I, I feel like that would be, you know, obviously the stories write themselves, obviously Oh six and then 2011, um, you know, three completely different makeups of teams in, in all three of those series. Um, and you said it, we've said it a couple of times already. Luca is incredible. Um, you know, he's, he's like a young Larry bird. Um, and then the heat, the heat just, they're so consistent and I, you know, I, I hate them. I hated them, you know, in the two thousands when Shaq and Wade were there, I hated them so much when LeBron was there. Um, and you know, I still hate them now. Um, I feel like they got, they got some calls and got lucky in the bubble and ended up going to the final there. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it would be a fun series to see, you know, a scoring team going against a defensive team. Yeah, and like for me, the rubber match. You mentioned it. So like, I feel like in 2006, that was kind of the Mavericks championship to win going into that one, um, and then the Heat rip off four straight, and, and D Wade just gets to the foul line a bunch and turns into Michael Jordan a little bit in that series. Mm. And then the 2011 finals, I mean, I, I think all of us thought LeBron was going to get his first ring uh, and, and D-Wade a second, and the big three was going to work out in year one. And, and the Mavs kind of stole that one. Uh, so I, I feel like they're kind of even in, like, stolen series. And the rubber match would just be kind of like, obviously, a, a true old-fashioned rubber match. Like, mm-hmm. that would kind of decide uh, those two franchises. And then, yeah, we both had the same four, Miami, Golden State. Um, I think it'd be good. I think either way, any of these matchups will be pretty good, long series. Um, I guess you could do, like, a little coastal thing uh, with South Beach and, like, the Bay area. Um, 
now that Golden State resides in San Fran. But I, I mean, I don't know. Like, that, that, obviously, I have it four for a reason. I feel like you have it four for the same reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, man. So conference finals here. Uh, let's start with uh, your team, uh, the Celtics, uh, in the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. I do have prices here. Um, overall series. Uh, we got the the Celtics a minus one sixty favorite to win the series. Heat plus uh, one thirty. Also have a number of game odds for both teams. Uh, Celtics sweep plus nine hundred. Celtics and five plus six hundred. Celtics and six plus two eighty. And Celtics and seven plus five hundred. Heat sweep plus eighteen hundred. Heat and five plus eight fifty. Heat and six plus seven fifty. And heat and seven plus three fifty, um, or you could just bet a total uh, six games for this series or four games this series. Uh, no matter who wins, the goes four games a sweep plus six fifty, five games plus three thirty, six games plus one seventy five, and seven plus one seventy. So not too much value on the back end if you take the uh, the the winner out of it. Um, I don't know. I'll I'll let you have the ball last since it's it's your team. I'll just say mine. Um, I feel like the Heat has been consistently good. Obviously, the number one seed, uh, they've kind of rolled through uh, their opponents in the first two rounds here. Uh, defensive team, I think this will be kind of a lower-scoring, old-school defensive series in a way. But I feel like your Celtics, um, like their peak they've played at this year has been higher. Like they got a higher ceiling than the Heat. So I, I think the Celtics get them out in six. They close it out in the garden in game six. I think it'd be, like I said, lower scoring, close series, an extended series, but that's where I'm at. Uh, where, where's your thoughts on your seeds going up against Miami? Yeah, you know, when we came up with the script this week, I had thoughts in my mind and everything, had things all ready to go, and that all got thrown out the window about two hours ago, and we found out Alwerford and Marcus Smart are both out. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's adversity. You know, each team's playing with injuries. Kyle Lowry's out for the heat. And then, you know, I, I, they haven't been the same team. You know, they signed Duncan Robinson to that huge deal a couple of years ago, and he hasn't really done anything. Um, you know, first, first two rounds for the heat. I don't want to say they had easy rounds, but uh, I mean, they, played, yeah. they, they played the Hawks and they played the Sixers without Joel Embiid for two games. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, they kind of had more of a, more of a cakewalk to, to the Eastern Conference Finals than, than the Celtics did, obviously. Um, but, you know, the Celtics on the flip side, you know, they sweep the Nets. And, you know, you sweep the Nets, they still have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, the two of the best scorers in the NBA. Um, and, and then, you know, obviously the hard-fought series, probably one of the, my most favorite Celtics series in the last 20 years that I've been watching them. Um, it, it's right up there with that first-round series in 2008 against the Hawks. Um, when it went seven in the first year of uh, the big three. So it, it's, it's adversity. So only, they only got to win one in Miami. Uh, that's all they need to do. And I, you're not going to have to defend a guy getting 40 and 20 every night. You're not going to have to worry about, you know, leaving open wide open three point shooters. Everyone can guard their man and win this game. You know, I, I think Jimmy Butler's a great player. He's on a mission trying to get back to the finals. Um, but I, I just feel like Tatum and Brown are, taking that next step like we've saw since January 
Uh, that's really going to skyrocket. And Grant Williams has really come out of his shell this year. And these playoffs, yeah. he's turned turn into an absolute monster. So I'm excited for that. Um, and hopefully Rob Williams is healthy. I feel like he'll be a big difference maker if, you know, if he can actually jump this series. Um, you know, he's got a sore left knee. He had the, the surgery there. You know, he got some rest here last round. He got some run, so he's conditioned back. So I, I feel like they have a good chance. Tonight, I, game one's tonight in about a half hour. Um, I'm not too confident tonight. Um, get Marcus Smart back for game two. Hopefully get Orford back for game two or three. Um, and just, just got to win one in Miami. And um, I'm with the Celtics in six in this one, and I, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Right on. In the West Finals, of course, Mavericks, Warriors, uh, Golden State minus 250, Dallas plus 200 to uh, for your overall series odds. Um, let's see here. We got uh, plus 500 for it to go to four games, plus 275 for it to go five games, six games at plus 200, and seven games to go plus 175. Mavericks sweep plus 2,500. Mavericks and five plus 1,600. Mavericks and six plus um, 550. Mavericks and seven plus 750. Uh, Golden State sweep was plus 650. Uh, Warriors and five plus 330. Warriors and six plus 450. And Warriors and seven plus seven fifty. Um, I'll throw this one to you first. Um, who do you think your Celtics get, and why? Uh, who wins the West? I, yeah, we, I said you know I want Celtics Mavs, just something different, you know, than the Warriors. But I, I just think the Warriors, you know, they've been there before. They know what, what to do. Um, I think the Mavericks have home court, if I'm not mistaken. Were no. they the two? No, I think Golden State does. Oh, yeah, you're right. They were, um, this is a three-four matchup, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, with the Warriors, you know what you're going to get. It, it's it's the Oreo cookie. You reach for it on the shelf every single time. Uh, with the Mavericks, you know, it could be a different type of you know Pepperidge Farms in the white bag. Like you pick one, <laughs> it might be good, it might suck. Um, so that that's kind of my analogy for this series. Um, I so. My biggest concern for the Mavericks is where are they going to get secondary scoring from? Uh, look at the box score from the game against the Suns. Luka, 35, obviously. Jalen Brunson's really come along. He had 24. And then Weddy with 30. No one else had more than six in that game. So, I mean, if you're going to get all three of those guys scoring 24-plus every night, you stand a really good chance. But if one of them, you know, ends up going 0 for 11 shooting and with four points, you're losing, you know, a third of your points right there. So if, if they can keep up the secondary scoring to, to Luca, I, I think they have a really good shot. Um, but the Warriors, man, you know, they're just so consistent and inevitable. Um, you know, they went through a few rough patches, like we said last pod. Um, so I, I think the Warriors end up getting this one in seven. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, we're agreeing a lot tonight. Um, I have that exact prediction. I don't think Golden State, maybe Wiggins or Draymond, I, but, I, I mean, there's not too many teams in the in the entire association that have an answer for for Luca. And you're right; like the secondary scoring is going to be crucial for Dallas um, to to ultimately prevail in this series. Um, I don't know, man. Like, if you look at some of the advanced numbers, um, especially defensively, kind of surprisingly, Dallas has been one of the better teams in the league. Um, you know, since like February, and they've just kind of snuck up. And I don't; I wasn't even paying attention to that either so i think that's got a lot of people off guard but i i don't know i i thought phoenix was pretty unbeatable 
and we've seen them shit the bed, obviously. Um, so I, I think I got a lot more confidence in the Mavericks, but it's still Golden State. Um, and then if it does go seven, uh, it's not Oracle, but it's still you got to go on the road and, and win another game seven against um, one of the top five or six teams in the NBA uh, for the second straight series. That's just an awful tough, awful big ask of Dallas. Ooh. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I got the Warriors in seven. Uh, rooting for the Mavericks. I think both series have uh, potential to be very good, and, and we could have a very good finals too. So I'm excited for the next you know month of basketball for sure. Absolutely. All right, let's get into racing, probably our favorite topic in the world, uh, segment three here. Start with NASCAR. The all-star race has stuck up on us. It's at Texas again. Um, first of all, feel like we've talked about this at any time we talk nascar like big picture um we need to move the all-star race around they've done that but we're back at texas again like mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like you and i wanted to move to to more venues like the year they like the covid year 2020 it, it got moved to bristol um that was one of my favorite all-star you know all-star races in a, in a long time and and um, the format, it changes here to there. Um, I guess that's to be expected. Um, can't leave well enough alone or they haven't hit on a, a good thing. But still going to have the open, uh, you know, a, a, a smaller field of cars. Uh, I think a 50-lap race to, to get into um, to get into the All-Star race. But I guess I'll throw it to you first. Um, just your thoughts on uh, the all-star race coming up and then we'll just throw a dart at the dartboard and, and, and pick a winner and see if one of us is right here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we've had this exact conversation a hundred times talking about this. <laughs> like you said, the Bristol one, that was awesome. I, you know, you have, always have such good memories too of the all-star race, the Winston open um, in Charlotte. It, it was always one of those ones where, you know, sometimes like your family might be on vacation um, you know, it, it coincided with the Coke 600 and it was just one of those, like, it kind of like was like the beginning of like summer for, yeah. for me. Um, so I, I do wish they would move it around. I mean, take it to Indianapolis. I mean, if you're going to do it before the 500, put the cars, since we're not doing the, the oval anymore, put them on there. Um, you know, next year, North Wilkesboro is getting a repave. They're putting all this money into it. Build the garage, build more stands, do it there on a short track. Um, you know, just something different, some, maybe someplace that, you know, we don't go in the typical 36 race schedule. Um, just, just, just to change it up. I'm not excited about it at all. I'm probably not going to watch it. Being a Sunday night, too, I don't like that. Um, should be oh, a I Saturday. didn't even know that. I didn't yeah. realize that. Ah. Yeah. Sunday night. Um, and like, I don't think the like the All Star race will even start till like eight or nine o'clock on the East Coast. Mm-mm. So I'm not excited about it. Um, it'll definitely be a skip for me. Um, so, but I mean, with with other racing in the day, it'll it'll be good to get a fix in for the weekend. Um, uh, uh, Chase Elliott, I think he wins. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been pretty good recently. Um, I, I will say this: the the one and a half mile tracks this year have been good, and I think Texas will kind of be like that. It's just not exciting. Nobody wants to sit through this all-star race. Uh, dude, honestly, I thought last week was a damn good race. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, you texted about it. Um, Kurt, Kurt's jump man uh, 
throwing it back to like the the Jordan threes. Um, basically, his his rap on his car. It was sick, and then for him to win. But uh, both our guys were in the mix at various points in the race, and and Kurt tracked your guy Kyle Bush down, and then he tracked my guy Kyle Larson down. So so he earned that. But I mean, there was four or five wide action uh, in the mid pack, and and he actually, like I said, Kurt was able to track down uh, the leader a couple times and make a, a green flag pass. So I mean, it's kind of a low bar. I guess to what yeah. we're used to on the mile and a half, but I I was kind of I, I mean I like Kurt too. Like some of the stuff he's went through in his career has been his own fault, uh, you know. But he drove some shit for a lot of years, and for him to get a win, another win for twenty three eleven, um, was cool. So, but yeah, it's like NASCAR. You feel like it's got a little momentum because Darlington was pretty good. Uh, the week before Kansas, Dega is always exciting. Um, Bristol had some excitement, even though it's a dirt race now. <laughs> so you had a month of NASCAR, I thought, was like giving it like a passing grade each week. And you're right. Like, I didn't realize the All-Star race was on a Sunday. Uh, it's always been a Saturday staple, too. Mm-hmm. Like Saturday night before uh, the week before Memorial Day weekend the, in the 600, like, set your watch to the all-star race like you were talking about no matter where he was and now it's it's yeah I, i'm not excited plus texas um i like texas back in the day when it was new now we have a million texases on the schedule and texas is kind of a narrow uh racing groove like kind of a one groove track uh most years now and uh, it's just not great but anyway your pick chase elliott that's plus 550 uh right now uh and the betting markets larson's the favorite at plus 400 i'm not taking him i'll take another hendrick guy though i feel like the chevys have, have been damn good all year um i'm gonna take willie b william byron plus 700 maybe um him and logano have a little uh revenge and it it would totally be William Byron to get a revenge and just the exhibition. Uh, I don't even know if they pay a million dollars to win the damn thing anymore, but um, just to wreck Logano for a check. And then William Byron thinks it's even. Um, so by the way, I don't know where you're at with Logano, but just what, what a douche. He, he said he was still talking shit this week after the race about William Byron. Like, I, I uh, I was, uh, when, when he came into the sport with Joe Gibbs, you know, I'm a Gibbs guy. I, w- I was like, hell yeah, guy from the North, you know, coming in young guy. And then he was just worse than white bread. Um, and then, <laughs> then moving to, to Penske was like him becoming Darth Vader. It was, it, it's the worst. I hate him. Um, every time he wins, I like turn the TV off immediately. I don't even want to watch the post-race interview. Um, and then I just, you know, tweet bad things about him on Twitter. So not a fan of Joey Logano. I do hope Willie gets him back and I, I think it'll be a long year. Um, I hope it culminates with something like Matt Kenseth taking him out in Martinsville. That yes. was, that was the best ever. Yeah. And Kenseth didn't wait. Like I, I thought it was like the next week. It might've been a couple weeks later. What that Martinsville race in the playoffs, but that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't fucking wait around for a month and, just like, oh, I guess there's the revenge. But, I mean, William Byron, I mean, he's boring. I'm not going to act like he's a, a great personality or anything like that. But, literally, Logano was probably the only guy in Cup nowadays that 
I have a strong a strong opinion in a negative fashion towards. Um, so, yeah, totally agree with you there. So, um, all right, we'll move on. Spain F one, another. I, I don't know if it, okay. So I guess we're not excited or that excited, um, and it's because if you've been watching F one and you follow winter testing, uh, really for the last. I don't know. It seems like maybe a decade, maybe even longer. Um, that the Barcelona has always been kind of the testing hub until COVID last couple of years, and they shook it up a little bit. And they do Bahrain or a week in Bahrain now, but um, just a track you're super familiar with. Um, we've had had a few um, exciting moments in the Spanish Grand Prix, like Pastor Maldonado won in 2012. And if you know anything about that, that was one of the, the biggest flukes of all time, the way his career mm-hmm. turned out after that, because he just crashed everything. But he got a win there. Um, Fernando, he had a hell of a win in, in a Ferrari back in the day in front of his home fans. I believe 2016 opening lap, Lewis and Nico take each other out, and it was Max's first win in his first race being promoted, the Red Bull, uh, the youngest winner in F1 history to date. Um, so – those kind of three stick out in my mind. Um, but what about you? I mean, I'll, I'll pull up some gambling odds real quick as you just kind of go through uh, your thoughts on Spain. Yeah. I, Spain is, it's one of those tracks where, you know, it's, it's the first European on the circuit this year, other than Imola. Um, so we're going to see the upgrades here. I, you know, Ferrari is set to bring a ton of upgrades um, to the, the vehicle there. So I'm very excited about that. Um, you know, they, they need to hit back at Red Bull, who's supposed to, they're not going to bring upgrades, but wait seven saving measures. Mercedes is in the mix with upgrades. Um, Gunther has said, you know, Haas, we're going to wait. We saw performance, just bad luck. So that's kind of down the road. So every team here is trying to make a statement here. Um, and I feel like this is kind of the spot in this season where I, I, Ferrari and Red Bull have already separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Mercedes, I feel like this is their last gasp, like they're hanging on by a thread to stick with those two. And then it's McLaren, Alpine, um, Alpha Tauri. So I, I think this is we're going to see a lot this weekend. So I'm excited for it. But the track itself, um, you know, the chicane was like turn 16 and 17, where they almost come to a complete stop to get around it, just doesn't make for good overtaking. There's probably like two sections of the track you can pass on on a straight um, at the end of both straights. Yeah. Turn yeah. one and then I seven or not probably like nine or 10 off the back straight into that left. They're like the two overtaking. That'll right. be your two DRS zones. Yeah. And the second DRS zone is, you know, it's, it's, it's short. So you yeah. have, you get DRS for about two seconds and then you're in the corner. So qualifying is going to be huge. Um, I think we're going to see that the next couple of weeks, you know, you got this, you got Monaco on Memorial day weekend, and then you got uh, Baku. So street courses, Barcelona qualifying is going to be super important in all three um, places. Um, so I, I'm actually excited for this. Um, you know, I, 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 we get a couple of weeks here, back to back races, um, obviously Memorial day weekend, we get, you know, the granddaddy of them all. We get the, the, we get Monaco GP, we have Indy 500, and the Coke 600 all in one day. Um, so excited for that uh, prospect. Um, but here, I, I think I think this is going to be you know a Ferrari 
Red Bull battle for sure for one, two, three, four. Um, and then obviously throwing in that Carlos signs home race, looking for his first win in a car that can win. He just has to keep it between the white lines. Yeah. And he's, I, I think he's got to qualify on the front row too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just kind of tough. Checo, I mean, I know you have your, your qualms and, and problems with Checo, but uh, he has kind of a nice uh, number two and a kind of like a roadblock for anybody trying to get up there and contend with Max. And he's damn good at keeping the tires on the race car and could extend a stint to, to throw off, you know, a Chasey's uh, pursuit of Max who's out in front short pit and stuff like that they got a nice one two combo there um one more thing and then we'll we'll get into our picks here um just if you want to go back and you can dig them up on online twitter or whatever it will be interesting to see and i get it testing is it's it's kind of a mixed bag but um you know lap times you could kind of get a gauge of upgrades maybe on what they ran in the in the the uh, opening test uh, in Barcelona, the first week of text testing into quality runs and, and qualifying. So I guess that's something if you want to nerd out and just see like, Oh, you know, McLaren's up two tenths from their fastest uh, testing lap or, for, or whatever team. So I guess that, that could be something to, to monitor if you wanted to get deep in the weeds um, odds, uh, Max, the favorite laying uh, minus one Oh five. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's ridiculous in motor racing. Like I, I get it, but there's still a mechanical aspect to it. And for somebody to be laying, uh, laying money, uh, as, as a favorite motor racing. Um, I mean, Vegas ain't stupid either. So, but he, he's the favorite Charles very narrowly, uh, in the number two hole at plus plus one thirty five. Carlos plus 1400 Sergio plus 1600, uh, both Mercedes men at plus 4,000. Lando Botas at plus ten hundred, Alonzo Ocon at plus twenty five hundred, Ricardo plus twenty five hundred, Gasly plus uh, or twenty five hundred. My bad, twenty five thousand, uh, and then uh, Gasly uh, plus thirty thousand, and then you know Magnus and Sonoda. I'm not, I'm not reading the rest of that list because realistically, your winner is going to come like you said, probably from a Ferrari or a Red Bull. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like this is just, it's kind of, it's not boring, but I feel like it's basic. Uh, I'll switch it up a little bit though. Um, I don't think it's going to be that great of a weekend for your man, Charles. So I'm going to go max Sergio and then I'll, I'll have Carlos get a, a homeland podium, bringing up the third spot. That would be my picks. Uh, max Sergio and, and Carlos, your top three. How say you? Yeah. I, you know, I'm gonna go on on them here. Um, Uh-oh. I, I mean, I, I want Charles to win. I, I I wish he would win every race. You know, I I will go to the grave rooting for him. I don't think he gets it done here. I don't think Max gets it done here. I'm taking Carlos Signs. I he has had incredibly bad luck. He has home race. He is comfortable. He has a podium last week in my two weeks ago in Miami, um, and he held off Sergio a couple times, um, even though Sergio had the engine problems notwithstanding i i like carlos I, I i feel like he's got the best shot to win this weekend if i'm not picking max or charles um podium carlos charles george russell um i think mercedes i think they they might have something figured out here 
Um, and I think they'll bring some good upgrades. And, you know, he hasn't finished worse than fifth this year. So I, I think I think George gets another podium here. I mean, I would love to see I would love to see Carlos get a dub. Absolutely. Um, way overdue. Great, great driver. Really cool personality. Um, would keep the constructors fight uh, tight as well. Um, so that would be a, a very popular win uh, for sure. All right, final piece of motorsports I want to get to this weekend, Friday or Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We'll have Indianapolis pole qualifying for the 500 next week. Um, so they, they changed the format a little bit here. Um, there's only 33 entries, so we will not have a bump day on Sunday, which that's sad. But, I mean, if you've paid attention the last few years, um, we we haven't had – it's not it's not the 80s or 90s anymore where you had – 70 cars uh, come to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and, and try to break into that 33 starting uh, grid. But so no no bump day with 33 entries. They did away with the fast nine shootout. That's now uh, the top 12 drivers after Sunday will come back and make one run on Sunday uh, to mix up the grid and see who ultimately gets pole. Um, everybody gets a 10-mile run, a four-lap run on Saturday. They had to complete, obviously – one run, and then there'll be two lines. Um, I don't know how long or what the duration is on qualifying, but one line would be the express line. If you take uh, that express line to, to go improve your time, it wipes out your first time. So it's not really that much of a change. Um, the only change is no bump day, and um, we're extending the fast nine to the fast 12 shootout. Obviously, it's a crapshoot. I think testing today was the first day of, of practice for the 500. Um, so again, we're throwing we're throwing darts at a dartboard here, man. But mm-hmm. um, your thoughts on uh, qualifying, I guess, and then we'll we'll throw we'll throw a poll center pick out. Yeah, I, I love the style of the qualifying they do. Um, you know, I, I think it's it makes for a really entertaining. And, and like you said, the the express it's basically your last chance qualifier. Basically, if you're mm-hmm. you know, coming through from you know other sports of motorsport here, um, I, yeah. I mean, testing today. I mean, two time winner Takuma Sato sitting at number one, uh, speed of two twenty eight nine, um, and Jimmy Johnson in third with two twenty seven seven. And his you know he he's done the the rookie runs at the Indy um, circuit there. Um, but and he's he's familiar with it too. I mean, he didn't race any ovals last year. He's won the Brickyard 400 in NASCAR, so he knows how to get around the track. Um, I think it's all more of just a, a level of security. And and if if you're scared, you're not going to be able to get around this track at that speed for four hours. Um, so that, that's cool to see. Um, and then you know you got your top ten. You know you got your typical guys. You know another winner in there, Tony Kanon, uh, champions. Polo, Newgarden, and Renus DK, who always runs very well here at the Indy 500. Last um, year's pole center. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I think he's got a real good shot. Um, if, if, if you know, if I'm going with someone, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with either VK or uh, Scott Dixon for pole. Um, guys who've proven that they can run there, run to the front, and know how to get around there the quickest way. Um, so those those are my two picks for for pole coming out of this. Yeah, I went. I went a Ganassi car as well. I went Alex Pillow this time as my pole setter. Seems like the Penske cars, um, they don't really worry about qualifying too much uh, when it comes to the 500. So, I mean, it's a different year. Maybe 
they they changed their strategy up a little bit, but it seems like they worry more about getting their setup and their car handling better for the 500 miler. Um, you know, the Indy 500. Um, it seems like Ganassi, they they try. Now they're stable to watch out for, and I don't really like a lot of their drivers, but Ed Carpenter Racing always brings up for Indy 500 qualifying too. So they might be a, a team to watch out for as well. I'm seeing Marcus Erickson had a pretty good day today mm-hmm. as well. Maybe he's kind of a, a, a dark horse pick, but he's also in a Ganassi car as well. So, um, and I, I do like your VK pick. Um, I know Ari Dyke, who is the track record holder at Indy, it's kind of his mentor. Um, so I'm sure he's given him a few pointers and uh, tricks of the trade to get around the two and a half mile oval there. But um, I mean, we'll, we'll plan on coming back next week and definitely talking, um, previewing that big motorsports Memorial day weekend. So uh, we'll get into our Indy 500 preview and the, and the gambling odds and stuff like that in the next episode, but just wanted to touch on qualifying. So yeah, I think, I think our Sundays will be similar. We'll, we'll get up in the morning and watch the Spanish grand prix and then, um, flip over and, and watch the, the fast 12 shootout later Ooh. on in the day at Indy. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Love the Indy 500. Um, one of my favorite races, uh, of the year. So, and last week, kind of a, uh, a wild, not too crazy, but, uh, with, with the rain situation at the, at the GP, the Indy GP, it was, uh, it was kind of an entertaining race to watch last weekend for sure too. I don't know if you caught any of that. Yeah. I, 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 watched that pretty much the the whole race for that um it, it was crazy you know people going um on slicks when it's still mm-hmm. raining herda with the, the big gamble early and ended up paying off um but yeah it, it was it was a fun race um i i, I would I, I i thoroughly enjoyed it i'll just say that all right final thing we're gonna get to and then we'll get out of here uh pga championship the second golf major of the year of uh, this uh, Thursday through Sunday, Southern Hills Country Club. I believe that's Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so wind, <laughs> anytime I think Oklahoma, just think wind's going to be a factor. That might not be the case, but that's just in my head. Um, I think Tiger, it was way back in like 2001, but Tiger's got a, a, a U.S. opener, a PGA Championship win here. Uh, Phil, the defending champ of the PGA championship out of nowhere last year. That was crazy. Uh, I don't think he's golfing though. Obviously he's got a lot of shit going on. Um, but just, uh, I guess we'll, we'll give you like the top 10 and odds, uh, co-favorites, Scotty Scheffler and John Rahman at 11 to one, uh, Rory, Justin Thomas, at both at 14 to one, Colin Moore, Cala 16 to one DJ plus, uh, or 18 to one speed, Cam Smith, Patrick Cantley, all 20 to one. Victor Hovland, Xander Shoffley, 22 to 1. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, 28 to 1. Uh, Shane Lowry, Will Zalatoris, 31. And then I'll stop it off here with uh, Joaquin Neiman and Brooks Keppa, both at 35 to 1. Then you got some 40s, 50s, mid 50s, uh, big names down the list here. So, um, just your thoughts. You got any course thoughts on Southern Hills? I, I think I saw it's going to be playing at a par 70 uh for this weekend and then uh again we'll throw throw out a dark horse pick and and uh, a, a pick to win this thing 
Yeah, I I have a thought too much about the PGA. I, I don't <laughs> I don't like that it's in May. I, I wish it would go back to being in August, um, in its traditional spot. You know, the I, I understand having the majors in four consecutive months. It the PGA was always just like the end of the year, like throwaway major. Like mm-hmm. you know, you'd get someone. You know, you know, you get Tiger to win it every other time. You know, Phil's won it a couple times, but it was always like the one for you know someone to come out of nowhere and win it, like a Zach Johnson at the Masters. Like they come out of nowhere and win the major. Um, so I wish it would go back to there. Um, I I do think I hope the course plays well. I, you know, it's always a challenging course. Um, you know, par seventy, it's a low score. Um, so I, but I feel like it'll be it'll be good as long as the conditions hold up. Um, I. I, I got two picks on this one. Um, you know, like I said, a guy that comes out of nowhere to win it. He's had some success recent years. He's been near the top in some majors. Um, I like Will Zalatoris. I think he said 28 to one. Um, I, I feel like this is kind of like, there's no pressure in the PGA major. It's not, you know, the open, it's not the masters. It's not the U S open. It's just, it's the PGA go out there and have fun, score 17 under and win a major. Um, so I think that's what we're going to see there. And then, um, my, my, my dark horse to win it is Matsuyama. Um, you know, consistently good golfer. Uh, won the Masters last year. And I, I think he's due for another win here soon. Yeah, uh, 7,481 yards, uh, by the way. Um, the course length. I don't know. I don't have a good feel, really. Um, I haven't really watched a ton of golf since the Masters. We're just going to be completely honest. I see Tiger Woods at, at 50 to 1. I You know. He's kind of my dark horse. If Tiger's ever going to be dark horse, <laughs> but I, I mean, I just feel like it's, it's, it's kind of stupid if you're if you're gambling if you don't throw a few bucks on on Tiger. And I know he's never going to be the same, but I mean, we saw it at the the two thousand uh, two thousand eighteen Masters or twenty nineteen Masters, whenever that was his last major win. Um, just kind of out of nowhere he's won here before so i it's not crazy um but my pick i i think cam smith at 20 to 1 is nice good positioning um odds aren't too crazy um pretty good take back though if you make a a decent wager there and i feel like he's just kind of one of these guys like you mentioned was alatoris uh where just always kind of in the mix uh the last few years in, in these majors and um just seems like he's got a nice all-around game you know short game's decent decent off the tee um cool calm collected customer so i'll take cameron smith at plus uh or 20 to 1 uh to win the pj championship i i thought you're gonna go with your boy speed to complete the career uh slam here but uh yeah i don't know what's going on with him he's he's had some up and down luck here recently he had a bad masters um so and he did win uh, the week after the Masters, so yeah, I, I can't say too much bad. But I mean, I hope he wins. I bet that'd be sweet, career grand slam. But uh, yeah, you know, I would like, I would love to see some of these big guys. And I get it, golf's kind of maybe going through a little bit of like a a power shift or a, a change. It seems like it's wide open. But like, if we got a combination of like Spieth, Rory. Uh, DJ or Rom or Brooks, if he's healthy enough. I, I kind of wanted to pick Brooks, but I'm not sure if his health's all the way there yet. But any one of these like top four or five guys uh, going down the stretch Saturday and the Sunday uh, on the leaderboard, maybe paired together, teeing off on a Sunday, 
that would be cool. I mean, I, I feel like that's what's going to have to get me to to really lock mm-hmm. in on the on this tournament, watch it on TV. I mean, um, you know, I'll I'll have the the ESPN app or Twitter going and catch the highlights here or there. But I'm with you. Like, um, I'm actually not a master snob. I think I mentioned that last time we talked golf on air. The the, the Open, the British Open, is my favorite major. Uh, Masters, a very, very like one B or a close second. Um, U.S. Open, a very close one C or third. And then yeah, it's kind of like I get it. You have to have four majors because seems like tennis has four major events. All these individual sports have four major events. Um, but yeah, the PGA, it's it, it, it was made up to to it was manufactured to be a major. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm with you. I kind of liked it when it was like late August and it was like kind of that dead period before college, uh, college football gets going and, and NASCAR you're in, in the racing scene, you're kind of in the dog days of the summer, just going through the motions and it was something uh, like, oh, PJs this week. So that's something I could tune into. Now you just throw it right around Memorial Day when uh, we're getting close to, like you said, the official summer start and a, and a lot of big events coming up. It just kind of got lost in the shuffle. I didn't realize the tournament was this weekend until uh, I saw uh, some stuff on Twitter um, Sunday of guys moving in uh, and, and playing the course practice rounds and stuff like that. I was like, oh, BJ's this week. So anyway, um, that's it for that. Um, I did want to see one weird thing. This is just for me and you. Logan, football, white helmets. Mm-hmm. What what I've do we got, think? I've got some thoughts. I so I obviously I'm not a chieftain guy, but uh didn't realize probably should have assumed so, but didn't realize that that in the eighties you guys rocked the white lid uh up there at Logan. So but uh what a hundred hundred year anniversary? Hundred and ten, uh, yeah. Or hundred and ten this season. Jesus. A lot, a lot of, a lot of years, a lot of teams. But uh, go ahead, your thoughts, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, yeah, sixties, seventies. They had the white helmets and everything. And when Bryce and I were both playing, you know, in middle school, you had white helmets, and they were just white with a purple face mask, no decal Tom, or anything. I, f- I feel like tomahawks in little league. You guys wore white helmets too. Yeah, right. Even, yeah, I mean, even the back to the years when we had black and white jerseys and mm-hmm. white helmets with gray face masks. Um, you know, I, through my third, fourth and fifth grade year, we had all white uniforms and white helmets and then finally went to purple Jersey. Um, I, if it was like a college football team that did like a one-off all white uniform, that would be one thing. I think it would look great with that for a whole year. Um, especially with the jerseys that they got, unless they're getting new uniforms too, which they just recently got them. Um, and those aren't cheap. It, it's not going to look good with the uniform that they have if it's the same one they're going with. I'm not happy about it. The purple helmet just that that's kind of what defined Logan. It was kind of like when Nelson went from the orange helmet to the brown helmet oh, a few years ago. Dude, that was I thought that was gonna be like some kind of crimes I thought were gonna get committed when that happened, man. There was <laughs> everybody yeah. liked it. I, I remember watching film my first year coaching. I was like, they have brown helmets like what yeah. happened 
Uh, yeah. So I'm not happy about it. it. It's a cool look if it was a one-off. Um, I'm, I'm sure if it's a full uniform redo, it'll, it'll look nice. But the, the 110 sticker on the back of the helmet is, is a nice touch. Um, but it, it, it's like changing the Notre Dame football helmet or the Michigan Wolverines helmet or the Ohio State helmet. You don't change what works. And um, it, I don't think it's going to work. And I, I, th- I sent the picture to all my teammates I grew up playing with, I still talk to and everything. I'm like, you know, if they're going to play like a middle school team, they might as well look like one. So that's kind of my <laughs> takeaway from it for what I saw. So I'm not happy about it, but, you know, it, it's different. I turn it into an old man in my 30s now. Yeah, yeah, that'll that's going to keep happening, dude. I got a few years, a little couple of years ahead of you. That's that train isn't stopping at the station, man. Like, but I will, I will say this, like hypothetically, I, you know, new coach coming in. Correct. Uh, coach Eddie's, he's been there for a while. Okay. I thought they got a new coach, but uh, it, regardless, what if, what if you throw like a, a 12 and 12 and one regional finalist team out there this year with, with the white lids, like do you, do you stick with the white lids going forward? Like if Logan gets back on the map, I mean, they'd have to give every kid HDH to go that, especially in their region. <laughs> um, and they, they will stick, you know, the, the helmet, the remanufacturing and everything from last time I was coaching was you stick with that for two to three years and get them reconditioned. So you stick with that, but it's a flat white helmet too, which, one, you know, a lot of high schools are in money saving. Flat helmets, flat paint costs more than you know yeah. metallic like gloss. Yeah. So that's another thing. They had to change the sticker too, instead of because it has to be purple now, whereas it was it was just clear and white. So mm-hmm. adding the purple into it that costs more money in the sticker process. So a lo- unless they're getting an influx of booster money somewhere or something, you know, they have a new turf coming in this year which I don't even think Nelson Mills replaced their turf since what? Oh, four. Uh, so no, like, no, we, we, we got ours in Oh six and it hasn't been that it's the same turf. I, I've heard people talk about it. Like it's played in the last handful of years and say, it's, it's like getting tackled on the concrete. It's just really hard now. Yeah. Um, so we, we definitely need an upgrade, but, uh, I don't know if that's coming down the, the pipeline. I'm, I don't have any information on that. So, yeah, so I'll I'll make it to my one game, see him this year, play Jackson probably, and uh, that'll probably be about it. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I I I'm kind of with you. I mean, I don't have a, a huge, obviously, not a Logan guy, but um, I I agree with you. I kind of thought you know, there's not a, a ton of purple uh, teams in high school football as it is, and that was kind of your guys' thing and mm-hmm. unique and always kind of a classic uh classic look like there wasn't any mistake in your guys' helmets and i mean i felt the same about nelsonville's until they started i when they started putting stickers like the the new york yankees knockoff logo i i missed the days of just a white face mask and an orange helmet and yeah you're in your buckeye leaves but uh, you know stuff changes and I'm bothered by it. You're going to be bothered by it, and life will go on, then we die. Right. All right, man. Well, like I said, next week uh, I plan on uh, coming back. Uh, 
If you come back, we'll, we'll do some Indy 500s, Monica Grand Prix, some Coke 600 talk, um, and whatever else, tan, you know, tickles our fancy or whatever. But uh, any famous last words before we close down shop? Uh, only one thing to do tonight is let's go Celtics. Get this game won. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Rate, review, subscribe, follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Podcock Peacast. We appreciate it. And uh, for Bobby Russell, this has been the only Tyler Peacock. We'll catch you on the flippity flop. <laughs>